Another episode of Radio Rounds, the podcast interview series presented by St. Louis Children's Hospital, covering pediatric topics of interest to doctors and healthcare professionals. Here's Melanie Cole. Mothers carrying a baby with myelomeningocele who choose fetal surgery for spina bifida require the most expert and carefully managed care. My guest today is Dr. Michael Bebbington. He's a Washington University maternal fetal medicine physician, surgeon, and director of the Fetal Care Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Dr. Bebbington, what an interesting topic we're discussing today for other providers. Tell us a little bit about what myelomeningocele is. How common is it? It's uh, surprisingly common. Probably about one in a thousand pregnancies are complicated by what are called uh, neural tube defects. Um, and essentially what happens in the early development of the spine is that the lower part of the neural tube does not close. And that leaves the developing uh, nerve tissues in the spine exposed uh, to damage uh, in utero. So how does it fit into the umbrella of spina bifida, which people have heard of maybe more often? It's, it's essentially the same thing. Okay, so that's interesting to note. Is there any way, first of all, we've heard a lot about folic acid in the last 20 years and about reducing birth defects. Is there a way to, produce, to prevent spina bifida? So the best strategy for prevention is, uh, is supplementation with folic acid. The, uh, the thing is that that has to be done for about three months before conception. And with most people not really planning their pregnancies, they, uh, they don't necessarily get a chance to benefit from the protective effect of, of extra folic acid. And what, uh, what I try to recommend to all of my patients is that you take folic acid pretty much every day uh, during the time that you're potentially going to be having children. That's important to note that even before you actually do get pregnant and you're thinking about it is is even a good time to start. So do we know the cause of this? Well, the cause is, is a complicated interaction of both genetic factors and what we call epigenetic factors, which is sort of everything else in terms of, of environment. Um, you know, obviously, there's a role for uh, for vitamin uh, interactions, which would fit into the epigenetic factors. Um, but we don't we're not able to identify, you know, a specific gene on a specific chromosome that is responsible for, uh, you know, for producing uh, neural tube defects. Well, I certainly think it probably is multifactorial and genetic and racial, environmental, as you said, nutrition. There are so many factors. How and when is it first detected? So the easiest way to uh, to detect early is with early ultrasound. Um, and uh, that can be as early as sort of, uh, you know, 12 to 14 weeks of gestation. What's more common, though, is moms uh, or pregnant women uh, should be getting a routine screening blood test that's called a maternal serum alpha-fetoprotein. And that's done typically at around 16 weeks of gestation. Uh, and uh, alpha-fetoprotein is, is secreted um, from the open neural tube. 
uh, and that increases the concentration in the amniotic fluid, and that increases the concentration in uh, the mom's bloodstream. And so that's a really good sort of screening uh, blood test for all pregnant women to get, um, and it can be done early in, in gestation. More commonly, though, when women come in the middle of the second trimester, somewhere between 18 and 20 weeks for a detailed anatomy scan, um, then uh, that gives another opportunity for, uh, for early detection of, uh, of spina bifida. At what point, doctor, should a mom be referred to a specialist such as yourself? Um, I would think that the best time to refer is as soon as it's diagnosed uh, because they're, you know, can confirm that it is in fact the diagnosis, and uh, and then can have discussions with the uh, uh, the family about uh, what the best course of management might be. Let's discuss that then. Best course of management, and I know it's certainly patient dependent, but what do you tell them about treatment options that are available, and what happens if surgery is not an option or not performed? So the the commonest uh, management would be what basically we call conservative management uh, in which um, you know the diagnosis is confirmed the uh, pregnancy is is followed closely with no interventions and uh, then babies are delivered um, usually around 39 weeks of gestation by uh, cesarean section and what that allows for is uh, postnatal uh, surgery uh, to uh, to close the neural tube defect. Um, that's important that that gets done at a facility that um, you know is equipped to handle um, these sort of more complex uh, pediatric neurosurgical uh, interventions. So interesting. So who's eligible to undergo surgery? So um, it's it's you know. There's sort of a, a series of, of criteria that were established uh, when uh, we actually did the MOMS trial. The MOMS trial was a, a randomized control trial that was sponsored by the NIH uh, comparing postnatal uh, surgery to, uh, to doing open fetal surgery for, for spina bifida. Um, surgery is clearly not for every family. Um, if there are other abnormalities, um, if there are chromosomal abnormalities, um, anything that would expose a mother to increased risk of prematurity, uh, complex maternal uh, medical conditions that make them not good surgical candidates. So this, you know, series of of, of things that would uh, make it so that surgery was was not really um, a good idea for for every family. And in fact, we probably evaluate five or six families for every family that we offer surgery to. What does it involve, Dr. Bevington? What, what is that open fetal surgery like for the families? How do you counsel them through this? So when they, uh, when they come for um, an evaluation visit, um, <clears throat> typically that's a two- or three-day um, uh, event where they undergo very detailed um, uh, you know, investigation with ultrasound, uh, with fetal echocardiography and with fetal MRI. Um, what that does is allows us to look very carefully at the fetus to see if there's any fetal indications uh, that would uh, make surgery not uh, not a good idea. They have a long counseling session with, uh, you know, with myself uh, to go over, you know, what is spina bifida? Uh, what is the level of the lesion? How does that impact um, 
sort of growth and development of uh, the nervous system for for their particular baby. Um, <clears throat> and then they meet with other members of our surgical team, so with pediatric surgery, with pediatric neurosurgery, with neurology, with anesthesia, um, all of whom, you know, sort of provide perspective for the families on what the surgery entertain, uh, you know, what the surgery involves, so that you know they go into uh, into this, you know, fairly well informed about, uh, you know, what they're undertaking. Um, it is a major uh, surgery, not only because we're opening the mother's abdomen, but we're also then opening uh, the uterus uh, to expose the uh, the baby's back and allow the pediatric neurosurgeons to come in and do um, a, a closure of, of the defect. We then have to sew the uterus back up, make sure that it's a watertight seal, um, re, uh, you know, re-infuse amniotic fluid, close the maternal abdomen, um, and then you know, about a four-day post-operative recovery um, in, uh, in hospital. Um, but even after the surgery, the rest of the pregnancy is, is very much uh, different than a normal pregnancy. Uh, our moms go home on bed rest on medications to try and minimize the risk of uh, preterm labor. They're followed up every week. Um, most families uh, in Missouri, because Missouri is largely a rural state, um, will end up having to uh, to relocate into St. Louis for the duration of uh, uh, of their pregnancy. And some centers where you know they're surrounded by a larger metropolitan areas. Um, you know, sometimes families can uh, can be allowed to go home and you know have their their follow up care done uh, closer to home, um, and then delivery uh, electively at 37 weeks. Um, women after they go through this surgery uh, can't go through labor. We ask them not to get pregnant again for at least a two year period of time to allow for uh, uh, the two incisions that they end up with on their uterus uh, to heal. And uh, even after that, every every pregnancy that they have is at increased risks, uh, not only for recurrence of, of spina bifida, but for uh, increased risks of, uh, of problems with the uh, the uterine scars. Wow. So tell us a little bit about what you know about outcomes and prognosis, and even what you tell women about future pregnancies and their risk as well. Kind of summarize all of this for us as to what happens after the fact and let other providers know what you would like them to know about spina bifida and when it's so important to refer to your specialists. So fetal surgery um, has three main benefits. Uh, One is that there is a reduction in uh, the hindbrain herniation that uh, you know, typically accompanies an open neural tube defect. And that's where the cerebellum gets pulled down into the top of the spinal column um, as a result of, of um, the tethering of, of the spinal cord. That's what produces the, uh, the enlargement of the, uh, the lateral ventricles uh, inside the brain. So reduction of that hindbrain herniation is a significant intrauterine uh, event. Um, one of the other problems with with children that have spina bifida is that we have to often reestablish a way for the fluid to get out of the ventricles um, to decompress them, uh, and classically that's been done by by using um, 
uh, a VP shunt, so a tube that goes from the ventricles down into the abdomen. More recently, uh, neurosurgeons uh, have been using what's called a third ventriculostomy as an alternative. But prenatal surgery, the fetal surgery, decreases the risks of needing some sort of an event inter- intervention uh, to help decompress the ventricles. So if 80% of children uh, that have neural tube defects need a shunt, those that have uh, fetal surgery, that re- decreases to about 40%. Um, and if you don't have to have a shunt put in, you don't have to have all of the shunt complications. Um, and the third, third advantage is an improvement in neurologic function. So by closing over the uh, exposed developing nerve tissue, um, we can actually decrease the amount of damage that's done in utero um, and improve neurologic function by uh, up to two levels. Um, now, that for for many kids means that they will walk independently. Um, and so there's a greater percentage of kids that uh, that walk independently as a result of having had the spinal surgery. What we counsel the moms about is that, you know, because of the nature of the incision on the uterus, um, it's not like a cesarean section. The incisions are typically in the upper part of the uterus, and those incisions don't heal as strongly. So the risk, not only during the initial surgery, uh, the initial pregnancy, but every other pregnancy, there's a risk that 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 scar may pull apart and cause a uterine rupture or a uterine dehiscence. and the risks of that are, you know, in around the 20% mark um, in subsequent pregnancies. Um, so that's why we advise mothers not to uh, not to get pregnant again for at least two years to allow that incision to heal uh, as well as it can before they embark on another pregnancy. And we always always remind families that when you've had one pregnancy that's been complicated by a neural tube defect, you're at an increased risk. Uh, of having that happen again in the subsequent pregnancy. And much like the uh, the use of folic acid routinely, the best strategy that we have to try and prevent further uh, recurrences is the use of folic acid, but again in much higher doses. So for a, a woman who's never had a, fe- uh, a pregnancy complicated by a neural tube defect, the amount of folic acid that's in a regular prenatal vitamin pill is sufficient to provide protection. Um, and that's somewhere in the order of 400 micrograms. For a family that's had a pregnancy with a neural tube defect, the uh, supplementation needs to be in the order of 4 milligrams, so a much higher dose that's required to try and decrease the risk. And that decrease is probably about 75%, so it's still a very, very, very effective intervention. Do you have any final thoughts for other providers? Um, prevention. I mean, if we have the we have the capability to prevent a lot of these from from happening, um, and encouraging women to uh, to supplement routinely with a prenatal vitamin that contains folic acid is the uh, the best and most effective strategy. Thank you so much, Dr. Bebbington, for joining us today to consult with a specialist or to learn more about services offered at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Please call Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. That wraps up another episode of Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. Head on over to our website at stlouischildrens.org for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. If, as a provider, you found this podcast informative, please share on your social media and be sure to check out all the other fascinating podcasts in our library.
I'm Melanie Cole.